Okay, so um, we are in Luke chapter 3 and 4. And in my Bible, I have an introduction section to each chapter. And when I found out that we were studying the book of Luke, I was reviewing the timeline portion, and I was able to see kind of how it was going to be played out with Jesus' baptism, then the temptation of Jesus, and then really we see the beginning of his ministry. And being a believer and having gone through my own walk of difficult seasons and being what feels like put to the test, ministry following his temptation seems 100% natural. It's like the enemy has this huge attack on us whenever we're about to do something that is so of God, so good and so big. God had designed a plan to reach and deliver the poor, the oppressed, and those that get caught in Satan's grip. The 40 days fast became a basis for temptation. In James chapter 1, verse 14, we are told that temptation results from the excitement of a desire. And as a rule, the greater the desire, the greater the temptation. The viewpoint of Satan's intended purpose, our Lord was tempted. Satan wished to prompt the Son of God to act in disobedience to the Father. Why? Because that would be terminating his ability to fulfill his mission. But from the viewpoint of God in Luke, this was a test, a test of Jesus Christ, proving him to be suited and absolutely qualified to his mission as the Son of God. I was so excited when I found out that I would be doing the chapter on, the, on Jesus' temptation. Because if we're honest, temptation is something that we are all familiar with. Nobody likes to talk about it. Every day we try to follow Jesus is a day that we are going to be tempted to not follow Jesus. And every day we try to do something that is right, we will be tempted to do something that is wrong. But we can be encouraged because we got to read how Jesus handled the schemes of Satan. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then have confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was tempted. So this alone tells us that temptation itself is not a sin. Maybe you've believed that because you've been tempted, You've already been defeated. But that's not true. Jesus was tempted and did not sin. And as we examine the temptation of Jesus, we get the perfect example of how sin and temptation are to be resisted. This real-life story was refreshing to me, that Jesus himself is dealing with reality, behind-the-scenes stuff that we deal with. So as we dig through the book of Luke together, I pray that it continues to challenge us to become more like Jesus in our thoughts, in our minds, and in our actions. And to continue what I feel like I've been super challenged in lately is to just be real. Be real in our faith. Be real in our walk with Jesus. Be real with the people that are around us. So let me ask you, 
When was the last time you were tempted? Like, really think about it. Did you overcome it? Did it overcome you? Why do you think that happened? It's so important for us to not just pretend like we're not struggling. We can't pretend like we're not tempted. Something that I have had to remind myself of over and over of lately is the only time that we will not be tempted is when we're in heaven. So it's time we get real about it. The other day, I was getting ready to mow the lawn, and I had opened up my fence to the side yard, and it looked like someone had punked me with an explosion of weeds. Weeds is like the way that God always tells me to check my heart. Whenever I see him, I'm like, okay, check it, check it. In a matter of two weeks, maybe, my entire side yard almost looked like green grass. And I was by myself, and I said to myself, whoa. <laughs> that can happen in our hearts. Two weeks can go by, and we don't even realize it, and temptation and sin takes over our hearts. Don't get surprised by it. Allow God to check your heart. What tempts you? What happens in your life that makes you a wide-open target? Maybe it's when hope is lost. Maybe it's when you're just really overwhelmed and depleted. Maybe it's when you feel like you're just tested over and over and over again. Maybe it's comparison, conforming to the world, anger, self-pity, the list goes on and on. I was really challenged by the way the enemy tempts us. A godly life rests on faith, but the life the devil would have us lead rests on ifs and uncertainties, on doubt, and skepticism. The temptation smacks of curiosity, and curiosity is the mother of many sins. It's not just our desires, but our pride, our identity. Who are you? Or maybe, who are you not? That's mine. That's my big fat target. Who am I not? Well, I'm definitely not Ellie Grover or Lauren Daigle, or anyone who stands next to me at church can know that. I'm definitely not Lisa Turkist or Beth Moore. Definitely not, and you all can vouch for that. But this women's Bible study and doing teachings is really pushing me out of my comfort zone. I'm constantly hearing the enemy tell me who I'm not, which tempts me to hibernate, to say no, to back out. What I wish I would do in these moments of being captured by the lies is go back to scripture like we see Jesus does. What does God say about me, not Satan? Honestly, there were a few of you that said really nice things to me about my last message, and it was that that gave me the confidence to say yes to this next semester. But I can't live my life like that. What if people are talking crap about me? tearing me down, saying how much I suck. I need God's word in a time of doubt to be my backbone when things get difficult. If we go to verse 3, we see the first attempt. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. 
What he's implying is, prove yourself. If you say it, do it. If you are, why should the very Son of God have to suffer this way? Don't we feel the same way? Asking God, why me? I'm so faithful to you. I serve you. I try to point people to you. I follow the rules. I'm here on Sunday. Why are you doing this to me? I almost showed you guys this video. Have you guys been watching the Bible series? Any of you? It's been on for a couple years. No? Okay. Well, it's like a three-minute clip. And you get this picture of Jesus in the desert. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I go on a run, and there's this part on the trail that I run on, and it feels like a desert, and I'm instantly like... I feel like I'm dying. And in the, in the Bible series, you picture him and you see him walking in this desert, just very slow, very limp, very weak, and he just collapses. And the snake, you know, comes wandering next to him, and then the devil appears. And it just planted this picture of what that must have been like. And I was thinking, what is the longest you've ever gone without eating? Mine was 24 hours, and it was for a fast for an infertility clinic for a blood draw. And I passed out. <laughs> That's a little extreme, but we don't go very long without eating. And then I got to thinking, you know when you walk into Subway and you smell that bread? It's like, it smells like the best bread on the planet, and it's Subway. <laughs> 40 days, 40 days. Yes, he wants to turn that stone to bread. He's hungry. But it's about being obedient to God. Scripture tells us it's not just about our impulses or our desires. God told him not to eat. But the world says, go, partake, enjoy, have a feast. You deserve it. You're God. You shouldn't have to starve. But many times, it's those things that God says, don't. How hard would it be to respond with Scripture? He's God. And clearly, because he, only he would be able to respond that way. He, very, he could have very easily turned that stone to bread. The pride in me is like, oh yeah? I'm hangry. Do you know what hangry is? Hungry and angry at the same time. And I'm going to make this a knuckle sandwich with the biggest loaf of bread you've ever seen. Don't test me or God. But he doesn't. He repeats scripture. Verses 5 through 7, we see temptation number 2. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time and says, To you... I will give you all this authority in their glory. Worship me, and it is all yours. I will give it all to you. Just worship me. Imagine in such a moment of weakness, feeling like God's deal is not the good deal. When God's deal doesn't feel like the good one, temptation sets in. Things could be so much easier, so much more glamorous, Satan will do anything to get us to worship, anything or anyone but God. Look at this. You've got to have this. 
You should totally be like this. You should experience that. You've been working hard. Our actions show what we worship, and most of the time, it's ourself, which is of the devil, the god of selfishness. Jesus is the king, and he doesn't get what he wants. And that should challenge us. How do we act when we don't get what we want? The Christian life is saying no to pleasure on earth so that we can have pleasure in heaven. But that's hard for us because our desire for an immediate dream life is right now. We want to be married now. We want kids now. We want to be millionaires and have awesome jobs now. We see these deep, rich, rich friendships that take 15 years to establish, but we want them now. The devil have a, has us on a fast track plan, but God is far more interested in the process than just giving it all to us right now. God is interested in changing us from the inside out. Like I said earlier, it was a real temptation to not do the women's study, to not put God first. It was a real temptation to not do the teachings portion. Why? Because it's easier not to. Satan tempts us with the easy and convenient staples button. But just writing this message is changing me. Doing this Bible study and the Acts study is changing me. Because I'm walking new steps with God and growing and deepening my knowledge of him. No more just childlike faith. It's deeper. I'm learning more about the importance of the, our armor of God. And it's so crazy to me to think that the more that I'm in the Bible, and the more I think about the Bible, that our God, through, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, breathed life and words into this book. And yet I still choose to do other things in my spare time. That, to me, is a perfect example of temptation, believing lies of the enemy. Because when I am soaked in God's word, watch out, I'm on fire. I could have just not done the study, continued in my own little world, living off of old truths, and temptation comes, but it's not so obvious. We're just going through life, genuinely believing that we love Jesus and trying to be more like him, all along with our Bibles closed and set aside. And again, we don't even realize it. And then we fall, and we regret, and we look back, and we see that we took a different path, and we recognize the trap and Satan behind it all laughing. We never even heard the trap close behind us, but in those moments, we don't want to hear it, and we don't want to see it, because we're too busy focusing on the one thing that's on our mind, us, and satisfying the wants of this world. But oh, how the love of Jesus, he never allows us to be destroyed by the trap of our enemy, even when we walk straight into it. Praise him that when we are faithless, he is faithful. A lot of times we see it in, Holly, in the Hollywood world. Money ruins people. It destroys people. And the same preference for people a lot of times use is God saving us from what we really want because we would just destroy ourselves. 
Life is about what God wants. The devil says, you get what you want. The world tells us, you get what you want. Another example is our kids. Destroy our kids, give them everything that they want. Verse 9. He takes him up to Jerusalem and sets him on a pinnacle of a temple and said to him, Throw yourself down, for it is written the angels will guard you and protect you. Satan quotes scripture. Jump and the angels will save you. But in verse 12, Jesus says, Do not test the Lord our God. And then he left until the next opportunity came. So how do we handle it? We have to learn to expect it. We have to know we will be tempted. We are not holier than thou. In different ways, temptation comes. Anger, lying, greed. Maybe it's the simple task of looking at social media. Someone else is on vacation again, and envy rages. Listen to a handful of scripture that warns us about temptation. Luke 17.1, there will always be temptation. 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunnings, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Matthew 26.41, watch and pray that you may not eat Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. James 1, 13 through 14. Tem temptation comes from our own desires, so we need to learn to prepare for it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. 2 Corinthians 2.11 So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. James 4.7 Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we are full of the Spirit, we will not fall to ourselves. In the temptation of Christ, it appears that our enemy is subtle, spiteful, and very daring. But he can be resisted. It is a comfort to us that Christ suffered, being tempted. For thus it appears that our temptations, if not yielded to, are not sins. They are afflictions only. It is good to be quick and firm in resisting temptation. If we resist the devil, he will flee from us. In Jesus' hour of trial, he did not look to visions or voices or special revelation for guidance. He did not defend himself by his own divine wisdom, but used that wisdom which God had revealed to all Israel through his prophets. So all of this to say, end of story, he provides a way to resist. Because we are children of God, we can successfully resist temptation. Jesus Christ takes up residence in our life and empowers us by his Holy Spirit. So repent and call on God's power to live like a Christ follower.
And since Jesus, who is God, used scripture to resist temptation, how much more should we? When we memorize God's word and hide it in our hearts, we have the ability to give the right answer at the right time. God's word becomes our defense. And lastly, one of God's greatest gifts to us is the promise from 1 Corinthians 10.13. I read it earlier, but I'm going to read it again. God will provide a way of escape and help us stand up to any temptation that we face. God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who knows everything and everyone, promises to provide us with the ability to resist temptation. Let me pray for us, and then we will break into our groups. Lord God, you know our hearts. You know that we stumble and sometimes fall. The pressure of temptation can be great, but God, you are greater. And you have provided us with all that we need to resist the pressure. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and make us aware, God, of any temptations that we may not be aware of. May we use scripture to make him run in the other direction. Lord, you are so powerful, and you are the only one that can make us strong to face the enemy when he comes at us with lies and deceit. When we are weak, we can have confidence that we will find victory in you. Lord, let us fix our eyes on you because it is only by you that we find peace and rest. Lord, you are our safe place, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.